Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist doing a special breaking news episode on this Indians off day because so much stuff went down yesterday. So much stuff happened yesterday. I had to jump on here and talk about it with you. Uh, I mean, where do we start? Do we start with the Cesar Hernandez trade or do we start with Terry Francona? I guess... Let's start with Terry Francona. Let's get this out of the way, and then we'll get into all the trade deadline news. By the way, congratulations to the Cavs drafting Evan Mobley last night. Uh, I think we all knew that was coming. Uh, There was so much going on. The Cavs even traded for Ricky Rubio yesterday. So, I mean, there were trades on all fronts yesterday. It was an insane day for sports news. I think me and my brother sent about 100 text messages back and forth to each other. So, Terry Francona is going to step away, they announced, for the remainder of the season. He is not officially retiring, but similar to last year, he has some real serious health concerns, especially with his leg. Uh, you know, things like staph infections and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's nasty stuff. And I believe his hip. Um, so, Terry Francona is going to step away he is uh, going to get the medical care that he needs. Like, go in for some serious medical care. This isn't just like rest and relaxation. He is going in for surgery. And uh, it was one of those things where he wanted to, wanted to see if he could gut it out this season. And he's just in too much pain. And you understand it. You understand, uh, you know, a guy wants to be healthy. He wants to be able to walk around. Uh, we see him every time he has to go out to that pitcher's mound, him lumbering, you know, laboring to get out there. And uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, especially on a team that, you know, is trending towards 500, is trending towards, you know, being a few games out of the wild card. It's not worth it. So he's going to step down. And Originally, reports were saying that this might be the end for Terry Francona as as a manager. I don't think from the press from from what was said yesterday, it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like he's retiring. It definitely sounds like this season. Do not expect him back on the bench. If the Indians make a crazy run here in August and in September, if they capture a wild card spot, do not expect him back on the bench. Just like Sandy Alomar took over last year, it is now Demarlo Hale's turn. To see what he's got. And he is he has been around the baseball game for a long time. Uh, you know, his his playing career petered out in the 80s in the minor league or you know, in organizations like the Red Sox and Athletics. Uh, he was kind of a minor league guy who found his way into coaching uh, and really worked his way up from literally high school uh through uh through college through um, minor league farm systems, uh, you know, manager of the year for a double-A team, Trenton in 97, uh, eventually came up and was on the staff of the Texas Rangers. That's where him and Terry Francona uh, became friends. Um, Then went on to be, uh, you know, a coach in the Red Sox organization with him, eventually would be a candidate for the Blue Jays job. Uh, but wouldn't get that job. Eventually would go uh, be a third base coach for the Baltimore Orioles. He would then be a bench coach for the Blue Jays. Um, he was ejected. This is a fun stat on his Wikipedia page. He was ejected for the first time in his MLB career by umpire Chris Conroy for arguing Yankees batter Eduardo Nunez's, 
Nunez's delayed entrance into the batter's box. So he's already been ejected once. He's got that under his belt. Uh, he joined the Braves system, then was hired as our bench coach on November 23rd, 2020. So he's never gotten a chance to be a manager in the major leagues. He's managed in AA, AAA, all the way up through the farm system, but he's never gotten the opportunity in the major leagues. So this is a really great opportunity for this guy. Um, he's interviewed before for manager jobs, but now he gets to be the acting manager uh, for the rest of the season. So it is a really great audition for a guy who's been around the game for a long time. And, uh, you know, obviously last year it was Sandy LMR Jr. who got that opportunity. Um, it'll be interesting to see now at the end of the season, will one of these guys get interviewed for a head coaching position? There's always churn. There's always opportunities available. And will these kind of auditions turn into a future gig for DeMarlo Hale or uh, for, uh, who's 60 years old, by the way, or Sandy Lamar Jr.? And, I mean, could it be in Cleveland? I mean, Terry Francona has had a great run here as manager in Cleveland. He's been doing it since 2013. He's like a couple games away from Lou Boudreaux of having the franchise record for wins. And I mean, I almost was shocked that they didn't wait until he got that record before he stepped away. Um, but he's been doing it for a long time here. I think it's interesting on the baseball reference page for manager, they have stats. They actually have managerial tendencies. And since he's come to Cleveland, everything here has gone up. His uh, his stealing second base rate is is up compared to his days managing Philly and Boston, uh, especially when compared against the rest of the league. Uh, they have they actually have the stolen base rate plus, which you know those ERA plus uh, OPS plus where the league average is set to a hundred. Uh, he has been over a hundred every year except for twenty twenty when it comes to stealing second base. So and and before that. He had only been over 100 three times in his entire managerial career. So, I mean, Boston just wasn't a stolen base team. Even stealing third base, he is over 100 uh, when compared to league average for his stolen base rate uh, for most seasons with the Indians. One year, he was up at 245 rate plus for stealing third base in 2016. So, we must have really been flying around the bases in uh, 2016. This year, we're at 100. Um, he'd only done it a couple of times with Boston. His sack bunt rate has skyrocketed since coming to Cleveland. And I know we have all given him a hard time about letting guys swinging away and how many sack bunts the Indians put down. They have been above league average every year he's managed here, and he had never done that before in his career. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting. They have some interesting splits and stats here uh, when it comes to the tendencies of the manager. He's won two Manager of the Year awards. It's the first time in his career he's ever won that award in 2013. His first year managing with us, he was AL Manager of the Year. And then 2016, when he leads him to the World Series, he's the AL Manager of the Year. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, so he's he's racked up quite the hardware. Um He's never had a losing season. He came close in 2015. They were 81 and 80. He has never had a losing season 
as an Indians manager. And in fact, he's been over 90 wins. Obviously, last year was an outlier. He's been over 90 wins most of his career, peaking at uh, 2017 with 102 wins that season. Um, So yeah, it has been quite the run, quite the run for Terry Francona as manager of the Cleveland Indians. But this does create some opportunity. Now, if he were to step away, there are obviously hundreds of choices out there that the Indians could go after and interview, including DeMarlo Hale, including Sandy LMR Jr. as two internal options. Just to give you an idea of some of the other names, I went back and found on MLB uh, Trade Rumors, they had an article for the 2021 managerial search. And remember, the Red Sox were hiring, and the Tigers were hiring, and the White Sox were hiring. Some of the names that were considered back then, obviously the Red Sox hired Alex Cora, but they had interviewed Mike Bell, the Twins bench coach, who I believe passed away um, before this season started. Uh, so that is some sad news. Um, but he was he was interviewed for the managerial job for the Red Sox. Uh, Sam Fold from the Phillies. Don Kelly, who's the Pirates bench coach. Carlos Mendoza, the Yankees bench coach. James Rowenson, the Marlins bench coach. Skip Shoemaker, the Padres associate manager. Luis Urieta, the Diamondbacks bench coach, and Will Venable, the Cubs third base coach. So they all got interviews with the Red Sox. The Tigers interviewed a bunch of people. Dave Clark, who was the Tigers first base coach at the time. Sal Fasano, the Braves catching instructor. Pedro Griffel from the Royals bench coach. Don Kelly as well. Mark Kotze, the athletics quality control coach. George Lombard, Dodgers first base coach. Lloyd McClendon. Uh, who is the interim manager, former Pirates and Mariners manager, Carlos Mendoza, Yankees bench coach, Phil Nevin, Yankees third base coach, Matt Quatrero, the Rays bench coach. There's someone interesting. We all know how much the Indians uh, like the way the Rays do things. So someone from the Rays organization would be interesting. Marcus Thames, who is the Yankees hitting coach, and Will Venable. So yeah, so those are some of the names that were out there. And the White Sox basically didn't interview any. They interviewed Willie Harris, the Reds base running and outfield coordinator, and then hired Tony La Russa. So those are some of the names that have floated out there um, in, in the interview rounds coming into this season. So it gives you an idea of some of the names out there that the Indians might bring in for interviews um, if Terry Francona were to officially step away. Now that has not been announced. That's not happening. But if he were to announce it, those are some of the names you could look at. Do I know anything about those people? Not really. Not their, not what they would be as a manager. We've heard some of those names as player. We remember some of those guys playing against us. But yeah, it would be it would be very interesting to see what kind of move the Indians would do because you know they want someone who would be aware of the analytics, knows how to use the analytics, but also would know how to. Be a leader in the clubhouse, a leader of men, right? Um, that obviously is what they get right now with Terry Francona, and it's something that they would be looking forward to. So now, let's get into the trade deadline because, oh my God, did the trade deadline explode. And it's probably what you've been waiting for me to talk about here. Cesar Hernandez gets traded in the division to the Chicago White Sox, and some of you on Indians Twitter are losing your minds about it. Absolutely losing your minds about it. Uh, Cesar Hernandez this season, 
was having himself a weird season. He was only hitting 231. That batting average actually has come up in the last few days. Uh, but his OPS was up at 738. He was slugging 431, the best of his career. But his on-base percentage was one of the lowest of his careers, the second lowest of his career at 307. Uh, gives him an OPS plus of 97 compared to league average being 100. Uh, he was still hitting doubles, 17 doubles, two triples, and 18 home runs, the most of his career. Uh, so, yeah, so he's going to take that power, and he's going to go to Chicago. Will that power translate in Chicago? I don't know. I don't know how their ballpark plays compared to ours uh, in the summer months, but uh, he definitely has changed his approach at the plate a little bit to try to hit some home runs this year. And they still have an option year on him, which is what made him so attractive. As a trade piece, they have an option year. Now, here's the thing about the Chicago White Sox. They still have Nick Madrigal, who hurt himself, uh, was out for the rest of the season, coming back as their second baseman of the future. They have a guy. So do they even need Cesar Hernandez's option year? They might not. They might not pick up that option. There's a chance that Cesar Hernandez goes to Chicago as a two-month rental piece. And then they just let him walk at the end of the season because they've got so many guys coming back from injury. If that's the case. Now, everybody was talking about, oh, my God, Cesar Hernandez is going to put up home runs against us for the rest of the season. Maybe. He probably will hit a home run this series. But the guy we got back, Connor Pilkington, who is a double-A pitcher right now and will probably slot into Akron with the Rubber Ducks team if he continues his path to the majors. The White Sox are going to have to face off against this strikeout machine for the next six years, right? Under team control for six years usually. So at least the next six years, they are going to have to deal with Connor Pilkington. So yeah, by the end of this season, we might say, oh, man, Cesar Hernandez hit a bunch of home runs off us. But he could go anywhere in the league after this year. Pilkington is going to come up and is going to face the White Sox year in and year out. And they might, they might really, really be kicking themselves in three or four years if this guy turns in to a really solid starter for the Cleveland Indians. And they have to face this guy over and over and over again, knowing that he could have been their starter. So, yeah, so it might feel like that now, but let's talk a little bit about Connor Pilkington. Let's get to know him a little bit. He had dropped out of, he was right on the cusp of the top 30 prospects for the uh, Indians. In fact, the SB Nation Southside Sox site, um, had an interesting article about him just over a month ago. Connor Pilkington, the best pitcher prospect nobody is talking about. Um, and they were really high on the big lefty. Uh, he was the third round pick of the 2018 draft by the White Sox. He's a college pitching guy from Mississippi State University. Um, he's 23 years old. He'll be 24. His birthday's in September. So he'll turn 24 uh, in September of this season. And uh, he's 6'3", 230, so a big dude. And I'm telling you, he he is pretty pretty good as a starter. He is a strikeout guy. He is 4-4 four and four on the season, all in double-A this year. 348 ERA in 14 starts. He's thrown 62 innings. 
he uh, he has given up twenty a uh, nine home sorry nine home runs. He's given up nine home runs, twenty one walks, seventy one strikeouts. So his WHIP right now is at zero point nine one nine. His hits per nine innings is at five point two. His home runs per nine innings are actually way up one point three. I've never been over one before. That is actually a little bit concerning. His walks per nine are at 3.0, down from last season, from his 2019 season. Um, and his strikeouts per nine are at 10.3. Uh, that is also up from his 2019 season. Uh, his strikeout to walk ratio is at 3.38. That's the best of his career over an entire season. So yeah, so he is really turning himself into a strikeout guy, and he does it with, I believe it was fastball change slider. I think his fastball was actually faster in college, and they said that his mechanics, they I, something about his, I read about his mechanics, needing to work on his mechanics to get his fastball velocity back up. Do you think the Indians coaching staff, the Indians minor league pitching staff, is uh, capable of that challenge, of getting his fastball back up into the mid-90s? I think so. So yeah, so this is the guy we're getting back. And I don't know where he will slot into the Indians' top prospects, but he is definitely going to go into that double-A system. And I mean, honestly, he is a guy who could we could be looking at as a starter in maybe 2023. Maybe if he finishes the year strong at double A, goes to triple A next year, maybe even a spot start or two in 2022. So, yeah, he's someone who will definitely be knocking on the door um, in a season or two in the Indians farm system. So that's the return we got in the Cesar Hernandez trade. But I pointed this out on Twitter and I had a great response from all of you out there on Indians Twitter. This trade sends ripples through the entire Indian system. The entire system. It cr- it created a spot on the major league roster and gave an opportunity for Owen Miller to be recalled from Triple A. Uh, Owen Miller, who's our 16th rated prospect right now, is going to come back up, get a lot of at bats at second base. Uh, don't forget, we still have Ernie Clement and Yu Chang on the roster, so those are other guys who will get some opportunities at second base. Uh, in fact, I could see Owen Miller or Ernie Clement, or Yu Chang getting opportunities at second, first, and third base just to get him in there. If Bobby Bradley DHs for a day, if Jose Ramirez DHs for a day. So these young guys are going to get their chances. Then, because Owen Miller gets called up, Richard Palacios, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm giving my best shot. Uh, Palacios, he gets called up from double A to triple A. And this guy is a really intriguing prospect. He plays a little bit of second base, and they're trying him in the outfield right now at center field because he's got speed. He's got some serious speed. His hit grade is a 55. He projects as a potential leadoff hitter, top-of-the-order guy who can get on base. Run is at a 60 grade. Now, remember, when they the scouts grade these guys, it's on a 20 to 80 scale. 80 would be all-world top, you know, guaranteed prospect. Um, so he's at a 60 run, which is pretty good. A 55 hit is pretty good. Fielding, they have a 50. His power is a 40. He's not going to be a power guy. This is an on-base guy. This is a batting average guy. His arm is a 45. Overall, they have him as a 40 prospect. So far in double A, 
and I don't know why they don't have the OPS numbers, but they have on base and slugging. And if I do a little head math, that's uh, over 800, almost 880 something, uh, 85 maybe, 885 OPS with a 299 batting average, 24 doubles. He has slapped six home runs, three double, three triples, 24 doubles. That is big. Uh, strikeouts to walk, 33 walks and 42 strikeouts. So keeping it really tight there, really close. Those are his stats at double A. Over the last 10 games, Palacios has had himself a really good last 10 games. He's got a 375 batting average. His OPS is just under 1,100. 1,100 OPS. Um, so, yeah, he's had himself a really strong last 10 games. Uh, and now he gets to take that energy and that momentum to AAA. Now this creates more ripples down the system because with his call-up, Brian Rochio gets called up from Rochio. Rochio gets called up from high A, Lake County captains, to double A. And his bio, uh, he was signed as an international free agent. He's a very young guy, 20 years old. Uh, they had some stats about guys, you know, being 20 or less younger and uh, what they've been able to do in the minor league system, you know, at double A. And it's it's an exclusive list of guys that have gotten called up that young. And... Uh, He's the nicknamed the professor because of his outstanding baseball IQ. He's a switch hitter. Um, again, more of a hit tool, but he's got a little more power, I think, than uh, Palacios does. Um, he's a 55 hit grade, a 60 run, a 55 field, power 40, arm 50, overall 50. This guy's a shortstop. And uh, so far at Lake County Captains, his OPS was around 765. Uh, his batting average was at 265. Uh, 13 doubles, nine home runs for him. So his strikeouts to walk, he was striking out a little bit. 65 strikeouts to 20 walks. So obviously something to work on there. But this guy could be very young and could be a very good shortstop. On, on the long list of very good possible shortstops, uh, Rogio is actually our seventh ranked prospect in the system. Uh, so yeah, so there are a ton, a ton of middle infield prospects in our system. Not to mention Nolan Jones, the third baseman. You got Tyler Freeman is our number two prospect. You've got Gabriel Arias, who is at AAA as well, a shortstop candidate. Uh, Aaron Bracho, who is uh, in uh, playing for the Lake County right now, is a second base prospect. Uh, Carson Tucker, a rookie ball, is our 12th-ranked prospect. He's a shortstop. Angel Martinez is an infielder at low A. Uh, yeah, there are a ton of them. He's our 13th-ranked prospect. There are a ton of middle infielder-type prospects in the system. And the trade of Cesar Hernandez affects all of them, gives them awesome opportunity. It, like I said, it creates ripples through the entire farm system. So a lot of young guys getting a lot of opportunity right now in the Indian system. And we'll see if the White Sox do pick up that option year. Is it for a year and two months of Cesar Hernandez, or is this whole thing a two-month rental and Cesar Hernandez goes somewhere else for the rest of his career? Because Cesar Hernandez is a very good player. There's no denying that. Who's going to hit leadoff now? I mean, honestly, you got to ask that question. Who's going to hit leadoff? Is it going to be Bradley Zimmer? 
is it going to be Owen um, Owen Miller or Ernie Clement? Like, who... The lineup works the way it was kind of constructed. I mean, it works a little bit. I know we don't have the best offense right now, but it was working a little bit with Cesar Hernandez leading off, Ahmed Rosario second, and then right into the power. So that'll be an interesting thing for the rest of this season is finding a... Uh, finding a leadoff hitter internally in the organization, or is that something you're going to have to go out and look for? They claim they're going to spend money next year, whether that's long-term contracts for current players or going out and getting some free agents. Um, You have to think outfield is still an area of concern for this team where they were going to want to address, even though they have a ton of internal options. Those guys have not proven themselves yet. I don't think Zimmer or Oscar Mercado or Harold Ramirez, for that matter, has really proven that they belong on a lineup every day. I think there's still a lot of work to be done with those guys. So, yeah, we also need to find a proven leadoff hitter. That's very important for the lineup. So, it's a huge day when it comes to baseball news. By the way, the rest of the trade deadline, absolutely insane. Uh, The Red Sox late last night get Kyle Schwarber for a right-handed pitching prospect, Aldo Ramirez. The San Diego Padres get reliever Daniel Hudson. They give up two prospects to Washington for that. Washington traded so many players yesterday, and they might not be done. These are all players from Washington. Uh, The Dodgers get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, two all-star players in the same trade. Could you imagine if the Indians did that? That'd be like if, like, in 2018, knowing that their contracts were up, they were to package uh, Corey Kluber and... Francisco Lindor in a trade deal together. That's what it would be like. Think about that. If you're, you know, for the Washington Nationals fans out there, they get a ton of prospects back from the Dodgers, including the catcher Ruiz and the right-hand pitcher Gray, who are both top prospects in the Dodgers system. Anthony Rizzo goes to the Yankees. The Yankees doubled down on the power that they got with Joey Gallo, and now they add Anthony Rizzo, and they give up... uh, an outfield prospect, Alcantara, whose name I've heard bounced around a lot, and a pitcher, Vizcaino. Uh, Seattle goes for a relief pitcher yesterday from Tampa Bay. The Dodgers get Danny Duffy from Kansas City, apparently, for a player to be named later. The White Sox also added a reliever from the Cubs, Ryan Tapera. Um, and Toronto went out and got closer Brad Hand from Washington. So Washington was just on fire yesterday making trades. I can't even imagine what the... Washington Nationals podcasters are going through this morning trying to recap all of those trades and all the prospects that have just flooded their system. And we're not done yet. The trade deadline is actually at 4 o'clock today. So there's a chance the Indians could make another move. And if they do, I'll be here to talk about it on uh, Saturday's episode as we recap the start of the White Sox and Indians series. So it was a very exciting day. And there's more to come today. There is absolutely more. The Cubs have more players. The Twins have some players on the trading block. Do the Indians have another trade in them before this thing is over? So we'll see what happens. If they do, I'll be here to talk about it, including the start of that White Sox series. They did announce the starters uh, at least for the beginning of the series. I know the White Sox... Let's see if they announce the starters for all three days. I know they announced Friday night, and I'm stalling, obviously, to pull it up on my phone here. It's going to be Mejia against Lance Lynn tonight, 8-10 start. It's going to be McKenzie against Keuchel on Saturday. That's a 7-10 start. We get a little bit of an early start. And then at 2 o'clock, 
afternoon game. It's Quantrill against TBD still. So those are your pitching matchups for the weekend. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. If more trades go down, I definitely will be tweeting about them. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. 